people don't understand like how guys hit like home runs and, and get a base hit their first at bat. It blows my mind because I remember the bat feeling weightless. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I supposed to like stay on time for a fastball? Like, I feel like I would swing and be, you know, t- 10 hours in front of the fastball. It was the bat felt weightless. And I kept telling myself like, wait, let the ball travel. And I let it travel. All right. Right past my bat. So. <laughs> Brian Anderson, if there were tryouts for world's most interesting man, I think he would I think he would do pretty well. Having done a bunch of things at all levels of pro and college baseball, including winning a World Series with the White Sox in 2005, it has been awesome as a colleague to watch him do his thing as the assistant baseball coach at Northwestern Baseball for just about just over a month now. His style, how engaging he is, how sassy he is at, at times, one of the funniest guys that I know. It's, uh, it's good to be on the right side of his sass for sure, but he dropped some bombs, super cool stories, very engaging speaker, and I'm super excited to share him with you on the Talking Shop podcast. The Talking Shop podcast, Matt Thomas here with Brian Anderson. Welcome. Uh, how are you doing today? Tell me something good that's going on in your life. Well, I'm here with you, man. So that's pretty sweet. Um, no, I think it's important to take some time like this to kind of reflect on your journey. Mine's been pretty crazy. Um, as you know, I, I've been playing baseball my whole life, but um, it really started off in, in uh, high school. My teammate was Ian Kinsler. I had five big leaguers on my team. Oh my. Four of us won World Series. So it was wild, man. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to share your coolest, craziest story. That's a, a staple of TSP. Um, but let's uh, – quick background. So you're from Arizona, played at University of Arizona, and take me through kind of bullet points every stop, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, so I originally went to Arizona, U of A, as a pitcher. I mean, I, I was a two-way guy in high school, but I think they saw me more as a uh, – my you know, trajectory-wise, projection-wise, right? They saw me more as a pitcher because I threw hard. But, man, my arm was always bothering me. So um, uh, it, it kind of is weird how everything shifted. The craziest thing, I was the only player on my team. We went to University of Hawaii, Hilo. Only player on the roster that didn't get in the game Jeez. to pitch or hit. And I was going like, man, is this it? Like, is this it? Is this the way my career is going? This is the trajectory. So a couple series or a couple games later, both senior center fielders were struggling. Coach Jerry Stitt put me in. And I went eight for my first 10 in my first two games and never looked back. So that was where were you? Freshman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the rest is history. So you were a PO at one point. All right. No, no, no. Not two. Don't tell PK. No, two way, man. Two way. (laughs) Uh, so a baseball guy who's been been a lot of places, done a lot of cool stuff. So I'm excited to hear the the craziest two rings. But first, tell the uh, listeners how good at Excel you are. <laughs> That's a low blow, man. I was just up there in the office with two of my colleagues, Tyler Ross and Ben Kaiser. And these guys are like super nerds on computers, man. They're Excel spreadsheets and taking all these templates. I'm like, I coach baseball, dude. Like, leave me alone. So they're going to, they're going to catch one for that. But, but uh, I, I figure I'd rather be really good at coaching baseball and then if Excel spreadsheets are secondary, then so be it. That's funny. So you won a world series or um, so take me through. Uh, so Arizona and then kind of draft, let's go through your, your pro ball experience really quick, just bullet points each stop. And then your coaching experience kind of each stop. And then we'll yeah. get into it. No, it's, it's been a while. Crazy time. It's so crazy because when you're going through all these things, these different steps in your career, it feels like they're they're going so slow and and you can't wait to get to the next level, I guess. 
<clears throat> but you know, as I look back, I wish I really would have kind of basked and like enjoyed the mm -hmm. process more. And I think that's what we kind of tell our kids. So, oh my gosh, I've been taught all of them that. Yeah, I mean, freshman year as a freshman All American, and then sophomore year, I, I pitched and played center. My freshman year, sophomore year, battled some nagging knee injuries and shoulder injuries, but didn't play well. Kind of took a, a trajectory of my career, kind of leveled off. And then I thought to myself, if I want to make a go at this, man, I got to take this serious. So. Uh, Coach Lopez and I really worked hard um, every single day with the uh, my junior year. So had an amazing year. Didn't pitch, just played center field. I think that he realized that was probably where my career path was going. So um, was drafted in the first round, 15th overall by the White Sox. What year? Uh, 2003. So this year was marked a 20-year anniversary. So that went by fast, man. Jeez. Um, but, yeah, it was great. So got drafted by the White Sox in 2003. Um, it, it was an amazing experience. My family was all really excited, but I ended up going to Great Falls, Montana. Oh, slid into second base on a double and blew my wrist up. And so from there, I was like, "It's over, man." I mean, I go, it, "My career's over." I, I it's where I get that gnarly scar from. So, um, uh, that 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 was my first real adversity I dealt with at the pro level. So season ending surgery chopped my wrist in half put a plate in there it was nasty so um came back from that was in was in high a was an all-star there made it to double a struggled a little bit because it's kind of that big jump that that single a to double a jump is crazy so um that was 2004 05 is when i started in triple a um played pretty well pretty consistently well was really great on defense i think hit like 300, but did really well. Got called up in August of 2005. I think oh, my, right, right at the end. Yeah. So I think we had like 40, 50 games left. Got called up. Uh, greatest experience of my life was being able to call my family, man. That was cool. Uh, got called up August 16th, 2005, my first game. Um, struck out my first at bat. That sucked. But, oh, geez. But, uh, 100 pitches. I don't remember, man. It was It's the worst guy you want to face uh, when you get called up at the big league level, you don't want to face like a, a veteran pitcher with like four plus pitches. Oh, it was geez. Brad Radke. So it was 92 straight change up that looked like a four seamer would just drop off the table, big curveball and a slider. So, um, carved me up, ended up getting a hit my next at bat. Um, so I, I think I was two for three, two for four. And, um, we ended up, we ended up going into extra innings, play 16 innings. They go two for seven. So kind oh, of went two for four or two for five to end the game, hitting three or two, hitting 400 or 500. And then do you remember walking up to the plate or was it just like adrenaline, all that stuff? I'm telling you, people don't understand like how guys hit like home runs and, and get a base hit their first at bat. It blows my mind because I remember the bat feeling weightless. And I'm thinking to myself, how the hell am I supposed to like stay on time for a fastball? Like, I feel like I would swing and be, you know, 10 hours in front of the fastball. It was the bat felt weightless. And I kept telling myself like, wait, let the ball travel. And I let it travel. All right. Right past my bat. So. <laughs> Very cool. And then, um, and then take me through like each stop on your coaching journey. So Northwestern was the first one and kind of the, the few in between. Geez. So, I mean, I remember sitting there with my now wife, we were sitting there in Walnut Creek, California. I was working in medical sales and Oh, you're out of baseball. Yeah, I was out of baseball completely. And she said, uh, she said, man, I can just tell you're really unhappy. And, you know, she's like, honey, I want you to, you know, uh, what can I do to help? How can I support you? So 
we made the decision to go back to Tucson. I was the uh, undergrad assistant there under Chip Hale and that whole staff. Uh, went to a regional, uh, just a great staff over there, great administration. And it was just, it was awesome. I mean, I learned a lot. Chip let me do everything. I coached the outfielders, helped with the hitting, coached first base, um, got thrown into the fire and, and, and really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was taking you know 10 or 12 classes to finish this, the year. So I was a full-time student, full-time coach. Like a GA so coach or like a full-time? I was an undergrad assistant. So Arizona was great. U, U of A paid for my school. And, uh, and basically, they, they let me kind of just do everything that a normal coach would do. But, man, it was insane, the amount of hours it took. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, you're here right. from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So yeah. It'll be me on Friday. I'll get in before <laughs> 5 and then whenever practice is done. Yeah. But, yeah, you don't leave until the last guy leaves there. So that's why we try to get the hell out of there. For yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. So you got two rings. You got one in 05. And when was the second one? So no, I only have I only have one World Series one ring. World Series. That one of the our former assistant coaches here, Dennis Cook, I think he got two. So gotcha. he's always he's I call him Tommy Topper, man. Yeah. He has two World Series rings. But so we won the World Series in 2005, my rookie year. And of course, after you celebrate, your parents are, you know, my family's with me on this uh, you know, downtown. There's two million people there. And you think you're like, this big league thing's easy. It is not. I can tell you that it's tough. Um, 2006, my first full season in the big leagues got my ass handed to me, man. It was rough. I mean, I mean, I'm talking AL Central, Sabathia, Cliff Lee, Johan Santana. Jeez. Those guys, at least once or twice a week, you're getting to see one of those guys. And and if you're not dialed in mechanically, and if you're not uh, taking it serious, you're gonna get you're you're gonna get diced up pretty good. Jeez, yeah, th those names being a, an ex lefty, those are some some good names right there. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to fast forward too much, but I mean, my big league career was up, up and down, up and down. I look back and I'm grateful for the experience. And and I think one thing, that's the main thing I'm trying to do as a coach now is, uh, yeah, I, I, I get, I played in the big leagues and I played here locally and the kids are a little enamored by that. I think they enjoy that and being able to kind of talk about it, but ultimately like they have their own careers coming up here soon. So, or coming up here um, now and hopefully going to pro ball soon, but um I, I don't really tell them basically what to do per se. Like you should do this or you should do that because I did it. And this is how they do it up here. I really try to protect them from the things that don't work. So, mm. yeah. My, uh, my, my mentor kind of describes it like, if you're like trying to guide someone holding their hand, dragging them along, it's not going to go very well. Sure. But if you kind of like let them kind of like walk a little too far ahead, they'll make some big wrong turns. So it's kind of like you're just walking next to them, kind of just give them nudges kind of here and there, especially at this level with, how smart some of these athletes are, at least in the classroom, you know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, man. I mean, I love our kids. They're so intelligent, but at the same time, I think um, it's not a knock on them either. I think one thing with this current generation of baseball players are so enamored and focused on results and data. They're so focused on, Oh my gosh, look at this stat or look at this number um based off what i just did and that's great i mean the information is power right but um i think we as a coaching staff are really taking a step back and we're going to try to have a healthy balance of some data and analytics and 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 the numbers part and the results part but man the process in my opinion is the most important part right yeah. like getting with you in the morning um getting the workout in doing the speed school um getting all that done here in the fall so when the season comes they can just go play, play. Yeah. yeah i mean i think I, I have a really hard time with that. And I'm trying to do a better job as a coach. 
I'm trying to really help guide our kids and saying, hey, trust the process, trust your preparation, right? Put in the work now. But when we go play, have a plan, but like go play. Yeah. Don't practice in the game. Mm. And I think our kids struggle with that because I struggled with it at the big league level. I was always working on my swing, like mid at bat. And I'm going against freaking CC Sabathia. How how are you going to get a hit off a guy throwing 97, change up 88, backdoor slider, elevated fastball, big curveball if he wants it? If you're sitting there going, okay, get my foot down. This is this. Yeah. yeah. Or or like, you know, make, make sure you stand upright, don't move your head. If you, the more you think, man, I, I tell our kids and our hitters now, and I think Coach Ross has done a really good job of that. He's really big on doing pre, pre at bat preparation, right? And he's like, let's, let's get the movement stuff and the activation stuff out of the way. So when you're getting the box, you're not thinking about it so much. You're just going to hit. So I'm going to really push that message to our guys this year and politely remind them like, hey, stop practicing in the game. Stop doing dry hacks when you're when you're at shortstop. Like yeah. play short. You know, trust your preparation. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, don't yeah. practice in the game. That's good. Yeah. Um. So now the meat and potatoes. So as a fan, playoff baseball is significantly better than the regular season. Yeah. So what is that like? Kind of like, is how how big is like the the division series versus the CS versus the World Series? And then we'll we'll talk about the World Series. But what's each round like? Yeah, so um, from that 05 team, right, um, it was really interesting because we had to get by Anaheim, Boston, um, and then ultimately playing the Astros when they were in, you know, they, they were at the time uh, in the National League. So played the Astros in the World Series. But each round is so crucial, and there's so much riding on the line. And you look at, like, if you watch any team that wins the World Series, you'll see a few things happen. There's obviously the talent component. There's execution component. And then there's just, like, like some crazy it just has yeah. to happen man like some things just have to go your way if they don't go your way you're then you have no chance so again i think two or three things man is the talent has to be there you know you can't polish a turd <laughs> um you you got to execute i mean you watch these guys and we stress this to our kids now it's like guys you want to play pro ball you have to be able to get a butt down in the fifth inning no against nebraska when a guy's so 92 because ultimately there's going to be 55 60,000 fans in the stands you're gonna to have to get it done in the playoffs where like if you don't get the butt down that's not an option so if you're ever if you're wondering what it looks like it doesn't look like anything because no one ever doesn't execute up there so yeah it was uh coming from doing beach volleyball at, at tcu there was uh the the volunteer uh, Daniel Lindsay, he made it pretty high up in the tour, like not to the mm -hmm. Olympics, but like one of the top few guys. I'm like, what's what's the difference between like you and the Olympians? He was like, those guys put it where they want every single time. Just no question, like just their ball control is insane. So just like yeah. execution, like anyone yeah. can rip a good serve or like a good bump, but can you do it? Yeah, no I mean, you're asked. you're absolutely right. I mean, the the best of the best of the big league level the DeGroms and those guys are good because they are able to execute and they have the best stuff. But these kids, I think now the mistake they make, they're so focused again on the the numbers and all that. It's like, Hey buddy, I got news for you. You know, you know, the quick, no one cares that you throw 96 with a 2,800, you know, uh, spin rate. If you go ball one ball two, because ultimately it's going to put you in a bad position as a pitcher and hitters, right? No one cares if your exit velocity is 115 if you swing at balls in the dirt all the time, man. You got to yeah. be a good hitter. So, um, 
uh, we're going to try We're still, we're still grinding it out here. We're trying to find that healthy balance between like, Hey, let them enjoy the fun part of like that ball was hit 450 Just and it came off the bat. The numbers, yeah. yeah. But I'd rather look up at the scoreboard. It'd be, you know, six to three yeah. Northwestern wins and every kid on the team goes two for four with four really good at bats. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That process, you know, like odds are if you're having good at bats versus like two bloops, those are two different things. Sure. And, and let's be honest too. It feels good in the, in the scoreboard. If you're doing, in the scorebook box score, if you're doing everything right, I, I, I've yet to see a guy who's good at baseball that goes about his business the right way where the results aren't, if not great, they're really good, yeah. right? I mean, some of those players I played with, um, they were so consistently uh, good and and they they stuck to their process mm-hmm. that even on bad years was like a 270, 280 with 25 homers. I mean, if I'd have done that, the way I played defense, I'd have probably made, you know, 300 million, but you can't hit 220. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so last kind of thing, let's dive into the World Series. Was that the year you guys, it was 4-0? Yeah, so we swept. It was nuts, though. But talk about things needing to go your way. Game two of the World Series, Scott Pesednik, who had zero home runs on the year, hits a year? walk-off against – He's an outfielder, right? Yeah. He hits a walk-off off Brad Lidge, who's like lights out that oh, year. Yeah. So here you have our starting uh, left fielder, center fielder, had zero home runs. Um, the entire year, the right? Year. Hit two in the postseason, but hits a walk-off uh, game two winner, so puts us up 2-0. That's a whole different series if we go to, yeah. to um, Houston 1-1. So we go there 2-0. Game three, I believe, um, we went like 15 innings. Our, a guy we traded for at the break, Jeff Blum, who's not a power hitter either, hits a bomb down the right field line, so we go up 3-0 and, you know, it's that's the rest is history. If you go up three zero, it's ball games. So. Yeah, except for the the Red Sox that one year. Yeah, that to me that's an anomaly. Oh, for sure. Was it was Jason Lane on the Astros? Yeah, yeah. He, so the reason I, I know that that was four zero is because he was one of the few lefty righties like me. Yeah. So he's like my favorite player. At he was time. him and Ryan Ludwig. They're like yeah. something's off about you guys. <laughs> it's like, hey man, you're left-handed. Like go hit lefty. There's more money in it. Like no, no, I want to lose money. I'm gonna hit righty. For sure. So I, I used to have a sweatshirt with the old uh, Astros logo and stuff. It's a small world, but yeah. Um, so how much, how much did you get in during that series? So here's the crazy part about that. The, they sent, they had their starters, right? So they have a playoff roster, but they have to have like a few guys, like younger guys or 40, right? Yeah. So you have an active roster, but you have to have some guys like, so what happened was I traveled and I played center. Or I played outfield, but like they had Pasednik, Jermaine, and Wright. Jermaine, um, Aaron, Aaron Rowan in center. Oh, Aaron so Rowan, let's yeah. say Aaron Rowan goes down game two with a leg injury. I have to be ready to go in there, right? So you're not technically active for the game of that series, but should an injury occur, you're immediately activated and they're off the roster. Yeah. And then and it goes it goes series by series. So um, Aaron stayed healthy the whole time, so I didn't get in. But I mean, he was so gracious to me. Um, during the World Series, I mean, there's some really cool clips of him and I, like with our arms around each other That's for that walk off. Yeah. And um, ultimately, he got traded, which is just part of the baseball business. You think that's my mentor? He's great to me. I'll probably play right or center, and he'll shift over, or vice versa. And, but then he got traded to um, to the Phillies in at the in the off season that year, and that's how we got Jim Tomey. Oh, geez. Yeah. Some names. Who was was Joe Creedy third base? Oh, yeah. Geez, yeah. all these names from my childhood. Yeah, you're gonna get the Chicago people excited, man. Heck yeah. Um, what what's it like taking taking like pregame BP shagging fly balls with the pack stadium with the buzz of the World Series? It's nuts. And the great part is is they, you know, we're taking BP, shagging, 
Um, the last thing you want to do is be a rookie like I was around like a veteran pitcher like Mark Burley because even though we're friends, he'd be like, hey, Rook, go get the bucket. And the last thing you want to do is take the bucket. You want to, yeah, like, you want to be out there looking down. good on TV. I was, trying, I was trying at the time I was single. I was trying to write my number on like a World Series, gold World Series ball, chuck it in the stands and treat myself. But um, yeah, they treated me all right. They treated me to the bucket a couple of rounds. So that was that was fun. But. You know, you look back at that time and you're like, I, I wish every single one of these kids could experience that that level of like anxiety, that high, that 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 enjoyment, because right now they have a good time and they've never even seen like it, it's oh gosh, it's yeah. times a thousand at that level because there's just so much to lose. Yeah, exactly. So then what's it like celebrating on the field, the locker room, the parade? Then when does it when does it come down? Well, without going into too much detail, I don't really remember. Uh, we, we won, we won and we won in Houston. So, uh, our, yeah, the, the Reinsdorf family, the owners, I mean, they were great. The admin, they, they kind of roped off this ballroom for us and we just, our families were there. So they didn't get too crazy that night, but coming back to the city, especially being single, that got a little, got a little messy for, for old BA those couple of days. But, uh, my friends all came in town. My dad was there. Um, mate, we, I did in fact make it to the bus. I made it to the, the parade bus, so I, I executed my one task I had to do. You just got to execute. It was at like 8 a.m. Yeah. I had to be at the field. So oh, geez. I have, needless to say, I showered and was wearing sunglasses all day. So, um, But it was a good time. My friends didn't make it. They were supposed to go on the, the team bus, the parade bus, and they, they got that extra eight hours of sleep. Gotcha. Leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so last kind of closing, what's – whether it's like a, a – big cliche like just execute or something kind of niche what's that one like world series lesson that you think you know players at this level or the high school level or kind of more of the the average athlete can take away from someone who's been to the top i i tell this kid i tell this to our kids every once in a while and it's the most i think it's the most valuable piece of information um you know we they, again they focus on all these different intangibles right one thing that major that all major leaguers can do and the really really great ones can do it very consistently i did it at times i had some moments of greatness but um i i failed to do it consistently which is why i didn't have like a, a great tremendous baseball or a, a, a big league career great big leaguers are able to slow the game down right really big situations they say all oh, that guy has ice in his veins well that kind of translate means it's like he's able to to lower that anxiety level, keep that adrenaline under control. Because one thing I noticed with kids our age, right? Like college players, when they get amped up, that's great. And if they make contact, that's great. And if a pitcher can throw a strike, that's great. But most of the time when the anxiety level rises, the adrenaline gets going uh, and we get rushed, we make bad decisions, whether that's a hitting from a hitting standpoint, swing at bad pitches from a pitching standpoint, you know, you start flying open, you know, your mechanics go to, you know, go down by the wayside and can't throw strikes. So great players are able to slow the game down. And, and although it may look like the, the game is so fast up there, when you go watch a game, especially our kids go into a game. Now we can, if, even if we're playing a high level here, the, the pace and the speed of a big league game, how they're able to, play catch and get the ball across the diamond and run and all that other stuff is so much faster than anything I've ever seen. And, but the, the cliche part is those guys that are partake participating in uh, at that level, everything is in slow motion to them. They're able to feel it. And it just seems like a regular day. 
where it, it looks really fast to the, the to the naked eye interesting very yeah. cool very cool so i appreciate you taking some time out of your day pulling the curtain back some yeah man. these stories i'm looking forward to hearing some of the the other ones as this year progresses yeah, but no problem thank you look forward to sharing this with uh with the, the listeners and we'll do this again hey, man, soon. anytime